0: Welcome to Best Laid Plans, the podcast where we talk about all things related to planning, planners, and beyond. There's definitely going to be a little bit more beyond because I realized that if I'm really going to be doing episodes every single week, there's probably going to be some branching out beyond planners because even though there are a lot of wonderful planners in this world, there are a lot of planning adjacent topics that probably deserve attention to, kind of like the technology focus that I did in a prior episode. 52 episodes in a year is a lot, especially when I'm not planning on too many guests. Again, probably about one per month. So if you have ideas for planner-adjacent topics, please send them to me because I'm interested to know what you all are interested in. All right. So today's episode is going to be a Q&A episode focused on some recent questions I got from you guys. I have four questions lined up here. And the first one is a bit of a deep dive related to dealing with getting your system to work for you when your job is very chaotic and there are a lot of demands on your time. So I'm going to read this question it comes from my blog reader who I will call L. I've realized that the reason I've lost my planning mojo lately is that my systems don't work well for my current role. I've moved into a management role with a team of staff. A big part of my day is unpredictable. At nine a m the day will be clear with a couple of meetings scheduled, so that I have some tasks planned in, and then all of a sudden, I will get an urgent request that needs a response immediately. Something else comes in due by the end of the day that requires a few phone calls to resolve. My boss's boss pops by my desk to ask a question. I attend the meeting as planned, and then a corridor conversation reveals that a staff member has a problem that I really need to meet with her about and etc etc and then all of a sudden, it's late and my husband is texting me about dinner, and those tasks from the start of the day are still on my to-do list. I know that this problem is not unique to my kind of job at all, and in other fields, this kind of juggle may actually have life-or-death implications. So, what does a morning planning session look like when the plan may change very quickly? How do I keep track of everything and make sure the balls I drop are those I dropped intentionally? How do I get the strategic things done and make sure all the little fires are out before they become bigger problems? And bonus points if the answer involves use of my beloved Hobonichi. OL, you're a listener and reader after my own heart with your beloved Hobonichi. My first thought, well, I had a lot of thoughts in response to this question, but in rereading it, part of me wonders if this is more of a planning issue. More of a job structure issue, because I think there are probably deeper aspects at play that you may not be able to entirely plan your way out of in this case. For example, you mentioned that you have big projects that you're not able to move forward on because of all these interruptions. Do you perhaps need some protected, deep work time that you schedule in? Like maybe you're going to respond to all these fires that need to be put out throughout the day, but maybe the hours from 8 to 10 a.m. are sacred or whatever it needs to be. Now, using your planner could be one way in which you demarcate times that are going to be designated as uninterrupted. And maybe there'd be some way of putting these into your work calendar as a meeting so that that could be allowed to take place. But, you know, this is a planning question, but also a work structure question at the same time. The response I wrote on my blog had more to do with the planning aspects of it. I will say my job has these sorts of issues too, particularly. Actually, really all the time, because I do have a supervisory role in addition to my clinical role, and little things will come up, sometimes fairly urgently, demanding some degree of my attention. Or maybe a patient-related request comes up on a day that I had kind of blocked off as a GME day. For me, they don't tend to mess with my planner mojo in the way that Lily talks about, mostly because... I don't expect my planner to capture or prevent every little twist and turn throughout the day. I feel like that's kind of unrealistic. I also don't feel like I need to record every little you know, phone call that gets answered or new email situation that happens in the planner. The planner is more for those big rock things and the personal things that I know I want to move forward and seeing how I can plan those in so that everything else can kind of happen around that. If something is really urgent or must be done on a given day, it typically goes on the calendar page itself so that I know that it has to get done. Otherwise, I tend to do my morning planning by looking at the hard landscape of my schedule, putting that in, so that's those meetings and everything that you mentioned, and then based on the anticipated available time, choosing one or two things for my weekly list to try to make progress on. Some days that happens and it's great. And to be honest, if I hadn't chosen things from that list, I don't think I'd be able to have great focus during downtime. And downtime does happen. It doesn't always happen, however. Sometimes crises happen and I don't get to those things on my tests. And that's okay. There may have been a time when I was a little bit more ruffled about this, but honestly, in this stage of my life, I've gotten more used to these twists and turns. And that's why I designated a little line symbol that basically means I'm not doing this today. So instead of a check in a box, I'll put a little horizontal line, which basically means not happening today, but I can either, either move it to the next day or decide not to do it at all. As sometimes these things that seem important actually become less important with time depending on what the situation is. So I guess what I would say is for you, perhaps kind of a big three approach makes sense. Look at your hard landscape, look at the time that you might have to get things done, and then choose a maximum of three things that you might work on in the gaps. And be aware that you might not be able to work on them. Maybe you'll have lots of corridor conversations on a given day or lots of crises will happen. That's part of your job and it sounds like you're taking that in stride, but instead of beating yourself up about not doing the things on your list, Think about the things as opportunities to do. If you do have the time to achieve them, then that's a bonus. Now, if you find that there are big things that you're not getting accomplished and day after day you're migrating then you have to look at everything on your plate. Maybe it's not a realistic workload. Cal Newport, um, who I've mentioned many times on this podcast before, does a lot of talking about how in the modern workplace, there's not a lot of thought about how work is distributed. And sometimes a more objective look at what's on your plate, maybe speaking with that boss or your boss's boss about it, will help you figure out what's a more realistic amount to get done. Perhaps there are big projects that would benefit your company if you were able to move forward with them that you're not able to get done because you are dealing with minutiae. Maybe there's some other route for that minutiae or some protected time that could be negotiated. So this was kind of a planning question, but I think the situation that Elle describes is bigger than that. And I will be interested to hear back. I'm going to read two responses that came on my blog to this dilemma since I posted Elle's issue. And my blog readers are incredibly insightful and smart. So I thought I would share some of their answers. One person wrote, Frequently, it's based on someone not consulting others' calendars before scheduling a meeting. A pet peeve in my company, we theoretically share our outlook calendars publicly. Or someone deciding their deadline and therefore mine is suddenly ASAP. So this person is commiserating. She writes, it's been so frustrating for me. Instead, what I've been trying to do lately is a very simple top three method of planning, which I just mentioned, where I choose the three things that I think I must get done on a particular day. I don't choose them until the morning of, and that seems to leave enough time to handle everyone else's tasks. I could definitely do better with saying no to things like this, though. I'm really sorry, but I can't get to this today. I will work on it on Friday. Not, but would Friday work for you? Because that gives them the power back. But, ugh, this is a very hard mindset for me to learn. I do not do well saying no to my manager, who is a close friend and advocate, much less to higher-ups. So that's so interesting. I think this may have a lot to do with personality tendency, because I have no problem (laughs) saying no if I feel like a demand is unrealistic. Um, And I think that speaks to my upholder nature, which is like once I've set out an agenda for my day, if someone throws something on top of it that makes important things impossible, not things that are flexible, but like important things. And if what I'm being asked of is not terribly, truly important, I will just push it forward. So I think this writer writing in, you know, that's not always the answer and it's not always possible, but it is always something to think about. So I think that's a great point. The next person that wrote in wrote, and again, this is still an answer to Elle's predicament. My job is also very unpredictable. My day is kind of dictated by what requests I get from sales. They are basically my client and they have no way to predict what requests they will get from their clients. So I have little to no control over my day but I always have a to-do list of things with due dates. And then I put reminders in Outlook. So I get pop-up reminders of important deadlines for things. I do not use my planner for work-related stuff. Maybe I'm the oddball who doesn't do that. It would just be too much to write down, move around as I push things to another day. So I have a to-do list in the notebook I use for work. My planner is only for my personal life. So appointments, meal plans, books to read, etc. I think there's certainly some value in that. One of my Good friends who I think listens to this podcast is a uh, medical professional. She's a pathologist and very successful and busy and gets tons done. And she completely separates her work planner from her life planner. And I think her work planner is basically just notes and projects and lists. And her life planner is kind of the rest of her life and her events centered around her kids and her family and just the rest of her life. So I absolutely understand the need to do that in some cases. And I also agree with the idea that. You know, every little thing you accomplish at work doesn't necessarily need to be in your planner. It would just clutter things too much, even on spacious daily pages. I, for one, am thankful for our electronic medical record because I never need to make a checklist of, for example, people I need to call back for lab results. That list is already created for me within our system, and there would be no benefit in recreating it somewhere else. So think about what really deserves space in that beloved Hobonichi and what can kind of stay in its own other landscape, whether that is, I don't know, Asana or whatever people are using at, at tech companies or, or even sometimes in your work email, even though I know there are mixed thoughts on that. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50, at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E ecom Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Finally, a last tip that came in for Elle comes from I. I really like this one. She writes, my number one tip for this reader is at the start of every day, I number my to-do list. I write it out, and then once I have written things out in, in the order I think of them, I assign them an order based on the urgency and importance. My work is extremely deadline-driven, so the numbering is not usually too difficult to figure out, although it does take some time management skills to remember some tasks that require more levels of sign-off need to go before something with a closer absolute deadline. And then I'm crazy strict about going in order, so I don't waste transition time convincing myself to do a task that is less desirable. I think my biggest attribute is that I'm very good at putting stuff down and picking it back up so I can stick with this system even when my day is chopped up a bit with meetings. I have to say, side note, I'm not all that good at this, so I'm kind of jealous, but that's amazing. Anyway, she writes, I know some people are big into time blocking, but in my job, if I waited for a big chunk of time, I would not get anything done until everyone else left the office. And that's not an option. Now that I have kids, I have a million strategies to keep myself in order that probably don't work for everyone. But for me, this is useful. I occasionally have tasks that are very emotionally tiring to me, probably not other people, and I can't face having to turn them out in one sitting. This system lets me take breaks when I need them emotionally or mentally without losing track of my priorities. Well, if you have some ideas for L, then please feel free to leave them in the show notes in the comments or send me a note on Instagram or via email. My email, by the way, you can use shoeboxblog at gmail.com or just use my name, Sarah with an H dot heart, H-A-R-T dot Unger at gmail.com. And that is an easy way to reach me. All right. Question number two comes from a physician in New York city. And she writes, how do you think about planning in weeks that are less than certain at the start of the week? For example, my seven-year-old has what we hope is a cold, but his COVID test is pending. They take three to five days to result in New York an issue for another day, but it won't result until sometime between Monday and Wednesday. As a result, all of us may be stuck at home until Wednesday or longer if the test comes back positive. Ugh, I'm sitting here trying to get my head around the uncertainty of the week, and I am feeling super stressed. I am sure this won't be the last time a week is upended while we wait for COVID testing, and I bet I'm not the only one with this problem. I would love your thoughts and the thoughts of others on this topic. Well, I have already experienced this as well with a toddler that had a snotty nose resulting in the need for a test and then all the changes that go along with having a test that is pending in your household. This is a great era for daily planning and or bullet journaling, which can be very flexible and kind of altered day in and day out to meet the needs that you see fit. So... One interesting thing you might want to use your planner for is kind of like making a crisis management template because you know this is going to happen again. So, you know, what are the things you're going to need to do? Make a doctor's appointment, schedule a test, move your patients, etc. Maybe by putting everything into a stereotype list, when it happens again and again, it will feel more manageable. The other thing I would say is embrace the daily planning. You can have a, you know, a vague idea of what's happening during your week, But really, if you're going to have this much uncertainty, then day to day is the way to think about how you're going to be just kind of looking at your productivity and your accomplishment landscape. So I think this is a great time to use those daily tear off pads and just not look too far into the future. Of course, we can have our big rock dates in there, knowing that there's some uncertainty around everything, but really focusing on the rituals and the things we can do when we know we have the childcare, the kids out of the house, everyone healthy because we can't always take that for granted. Again, we welcome any listener feedback on these questions. So if other people have ideas, please send them. I also will throw in another shout out to Sticky Notes. If there are things that you think might happen but might not happen, and you really don't want them on the page to be looking at you know, for the rest of the year, if it turns out that needs to change, then Sticky Notes are a great low-tech tool to make that work. All right, question number three has to do with cleaning house. I would love for you to address what you do with all your planners and accessory notebooks once they are full. I think you toss your Hobonichi, explanation point, explanation point. I have kept what you call an accessory notebook for years. I just found one from 2008, complete with my list of wedding thank yous to write. And in the last three to four years, transferred over to a Hobonichi Techo cousin for everything. Do you ever miss not being able to look back on your notes as a schedule? You have the blog, so perhaps that solves it for you. If throwing away is truly the answer to avoid some perpetual clutter situation, should I change how I record information? I use the daily pages of my Hobonichi for everything from planning to list making, both professional and personal, to taking notes at important non-work meetings. I take it everywhere I might need to make note of something, and I know I can always look back at a certain day to find what I recorded. So I do want to refer back to these for a while, but probably not 12 years. So... I have to say I've kept some but not all of my Hobonichi's over the years. However, if there is a planner that's compact enough to have daily notes and pages kept for a lifetime, it is the Hobonichi. It is a depressing, horrifying, but true thought that I could probably fit the rest of my life in Hobonichi's in like one box, unless I live to be like 120, which would be great but unlikely. Because it's actually once you take the cover off, a pretty slim book and there's a page for every single day and I don't think I need to keep much more than that. I have not kept them all. I kind of regret it. All right. No, I remember a planner that I had in like 2001 and how cool would it have been to be able to look back and see exactly what I was doing, like the week of 9-11 and what I wrote in my planner when that was happening, but I don't have that one anymore. I think I kept it for a while. So what made me throw it out? I don't know. 2020 will certainly be a year to keep some planners, although I've kind of messed that up by switching from planner to planner every five minutes, but you know, it's 2020. I'll still keep some of them. So, I don't know. I do throw some of them out in part because I've been doing a lot of reviews and I accumulate excess planners, like beyond what is normal for a person to have. But I do think that keeping, you know, a yearly Hobonichi plus maybe a, that really slim accessory notebook that goes with it really isn't going to be that much to cart around because if you're 20, you know, on average, you're only going to live for 65 more years and that would fit in a block or two. And how cool would it be when you're 85 to be able to pull out your Hobonichi from when you were 32 and remember exactly what you did on any given day? I think there's definitely some beauty and romance to that. And even though I love to throw things out, I think I'll be keeping my Hobonichis from here on out. All right, last question. And I'm going to be completely honest. I'm worried I already answered it, but I'm not entirely sure. So you can fast forward if this seems too familiar. I have a question that I hope you'll consider answering. Where do you keep your planner? I find it hard to keep going back to my planner to opportunistically include the items I want. Example, ideas, grocery lists, to-do items, gratitude items, etc. I'm a mother of three teenagers and a toddler, so I don't feel that leaving it open on the kitchen counter in the evening is appropriate for lurking eyes. I am a rural family physician, and while I have a dedicated work desk at my office, it's not somewhere that I regularly spend a lot of time. (laughs) Lurking eyes are not my issue. It's lurking pens in my house where like I may turn around and then there's scribbles on my Hobonichi, and that is just not Or acceptable. So I hear you. That said, I kind of always have my planner with me because it really is, I don't know, how I go throughout my days and keep myself centered and remember what I'm supposed to be doing and not forget things. So it is a little bit of a crutch and an anchor. And that means that it has to come with me. I mean, it either sits on my desk at home or it sits on my desk at work or it's in my work bag or if I'm upstairs in my office, it's with me there. It basically kind of hangs out with my laptop when I'm home, because both of those things are kind of like my hub. So I don't know, maybe try building that habit. And you mentioned lurking eyes. I'm kind of trying to imagine what you wouldn't want your teens to see in your planner. I like my kids to see my planner because it might teach them kind of how to plan, but what I don't want is for them to draw in it. So maybe you need one of those Hobonichi covers that zips so that (laughs) that will protect it from undue harm should your toddler come across it. But yes, I do carry it back and forth. I feel like that's part of what makes it really useful to me that it's always there and I'm always looking at it and I'm always writing in it. So there you go. Finally, I will end this episode with a little bit of planner-related news, just things that are coming out. So I mentioned Cal Newport earlier in this episode, and I've mentioned him many a time before. He has a lot of ideas around technology and the way we work in this modern age, as well as planning. I don't follow all of his methods to a T. I will admit I find some things about them really captivating and compelling, and other things not exactly a fit for my lifestyle. But I think he's full of fantastic ideas. And he is going to be releasing a time block planner. Time blocking is his method of basically assigning every minute of your workday a job. I always kind of like that line because I think of our budgeting app as assigning every dollar a job. So he wants to assign every minute during the workday, not your personal day, but your workday a job. And he's releasing a planner to help you do that. So I'm gonna be really interested in seeing what that looks like. Maybe it will help some of the dilemmas from our listener L early on, or Maybe it won't. I don't know. We'll have to see. So that's kind of exciting in the planner news world. In addition, Cultivate What Matters is a line that is a favorite of many of you. And I'm going to be doing a review. I think it is a gorgeous product. It's just pretty to look at and kind of inviting to write in. And they have launched their 2021 line. It's completely out. And there's just a lot of really pretty offerings. I don't plan on using a Cultivate product for 2021 in part because I got one for 2020. And honestly, I haven't really personally made as much use of it as I might have liked. However, I think it's a great system for those who want a separate goal setting system from their planner and it deserves some attention on this podcast. So I will be delving into that a little bit more in a future episode. Finally, if you are listening to this and you either make planners or are super into planners or have found some cool new accessory, please send them my way. I would love to have some kind of a planner news segment in these episodes and I need all the juicy planner gossip. So please send it on to me. All right. This has been another episode of best laid plans in which we tackled some Q and A's one on managing work day where many tasks kind of come at you and how to plan your way into serenity, which I'm not sure is possible, but at least some ideas on how to make things a little bit easier a question about planning when there's lots of uncertainty, as in during the pandemic, a question about keeping planners, and finally, the question about where I actually keep my planner. If you have input and answers to these questions as well, please send them to me. I would love to see and hear them and I can share them on future episodes as well. You can always reach me, as I mentioned, at my blog, theshoebox.com. The show notes are usually posted right after the episodes land, which is like on 5 a.m. on Monday mornings. You can just go to the blog and go to the Best Lead Plans page and look for the show notes for any given episode to find some comments and pictures. And I usually also post to Instagram at shoebox underscore plans and you can reach me at either of those places. So thank you so much for listening. I'll throw my weekly plea for reviews. You guys have been amazing and there've been lots of lovely reviews. So thank you for those. If you haven't left one, I would love it because I'm trying to grow this podcast so that I can eventually make it sustain itself. That's what we're hoping for. So again, thank you all so much for listening and I'll be back next week with more planning excitement. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.